Why do I feel like we've had this exact conversation? We, I before? am also very confident we've had this exact conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, it's I'm not just sorry. you. I'm sorry that I'm incapable of remembering. Yeah, I would totally watch that. Okay, let's do that. You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming rom-coms and teen cinema, and I am pleased to announce that this is our 50th episode! That's the victory horn. Uh, Thank you so much, everybody, for sticking with us for 50 episodes. I think that means that we've been doing this for about two years, give or take, which is bananas. Uh, My name is Martha Sullivan. I am one of your co-hosts, library manager and YA lit uh, enjoyer of young adult literature. And I am here, as always, with my co-host. I'm Maren Hangman, uh, adult services librarian, and currently very focused on the fact that I am a new dog mom. So most of my life for the last, you know, six days. Has has been consumed by by being a dog mom. I have I not met tried... this puppy yet, but I can con- I can confirm that photographically he is perfect, and I look forward to smushing his little face. <laughs> Hopefully, very soon. And he Hopefully. did watch his first comedy movie last night. We watched Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Not quite a rom com, but we'll get there. Which I haven't seen yet, which I'm bummed about, but soon I will. It was wild. Martha, you should definitely text me when you're... We we should definitely talk about this movie it, once you've seen it. It is wild. I am looking forward to it. I can't even tell you if I liked it or not. It was that wild. <laughs> yes, the movie that I went to see today was very, very different. I went to see Zola. Oh, how was uh, that? It was wild <laughs> in a different way. Um, <laughs> no, it's... It's bonkers. Like the whole thing is fil- filmed like a, almost like a noir thriller. Oh, it was fascinating, and it felt kind of grimy and a mm. little bit funny and just completely riveting. I okay, I found it to be an extremely riveting film going experience. I don't know that you would enjoy it. It from what I have read, it does not sound like. It was it, it was made to appeal to me, which is fine. I was gonna say I don't I don't mean that in any way other than I feel like I've gotten a pretty good sense of what, <laughs> you, what you enjoy. Similarly, I, I feel like you have a pretty good barometer of what is in my wheelhouse. Totally. And this one, it's it's also only eighty six minutes. So if you just oh. des- decide to try it, it, it's not gonna it's not gonna be too much of a time commitment. It's it's you. less than an episode of Sherlock. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but today we are here to talk. We are here to talk about not a new movie to this show, uh, but we're here to rehash and relitigate some of the movies that we have already spoken in depth about. Uh, we are going to take our fiftieth episode to do a little bit of a retrospective for all of you guys. Uh, at this point, we have watched a total of forty-eight movies. Um. And one TV series, <laughs> which I know because I keep a running ranked list on my Letterboxd account. So you always have access to uh, the movies that we watch and my personal feelings about how they rank uh, a- 
in relationship to each other. Which I will say I was very grateful for preparing for this episode because I am <laughs> not that organized. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, thank we you, Martha, for keeping out. diligent track of our films. <laughs> I love a list. I love a ranked list. I love to make lists. A big list person. Um, but yeah, Martin and I have picked out our top five our five favorites or the five best uh, movies that we feel that we have watched over the course of this podcast. So by the end of this episode, we will have a top 10. So if you were wondering, if you're a new listener and were wondering what movies were kind of the, the pick of the litter, uh, you will have a handy dandy reference guide to the top 10 films we've watched uh, for this show. Uh, Marin, would you like to kick us off with your number five? Sure. I will kick us off with our number five, which is my only teen movie, which I think <laughs> reveals some of my biases. I am definitely, um, the adult rom-com is definitely my preference, um, as much as I have enjoyed many of our teen films. Well, um, but and I, I will tell you, in my top five, I only have one adult rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> I like that we're, we're inversing it. That makes uh -huh. total sense. This does not surprise me. Very on brand. Exactly. Very on brand. Um, but my number five, I think the best of all the team movies we watched, um, the first to all the boys I've loved before, um, I think it is, um, got many iconic moments. I think it does a, a fabulous job at, um, articulating our an, an, a very introverted main character who has a rich interior life um and i think it's rare to see that so well articulated in a film um it made the internet fall in love with noah centineo um i i think it's the best team movie we've watched i think it's great i probably watched it like five times i love it i also love it um yeah, to all the boys I've loved before, I have it number eight. So it's still in my top ten. Um, I agree. I think it. the only thing that makes me sad about To All the Boys is that Lana Condor isn't as big of a star as I want her to be. Yeah. Uh, she carries this. She carries so much of this movie on her back um, because it's so much about her interiority that I think it's tragic that this hasn't like led to her... Um, led to her becoming big in the same way that uh, Centineo has. Right. Um, and I mean, I think we're seeing the same thing happen with Bridgerton, right? Where, like, Reggie Jean Page is you know, rumored to be the next Bond. And I think Phoebe Devner finally nailed her, for, or finally landed her first big post-Bridgerton role. But it took, you know, seven months. Um, sexism. Sexism. <laughs> And potentially maybe a little bit of racism potentially. as far as Lana Condor is concerned. Um, but yeah, I, I love this movie. I'm glad you have it on your list. It's so good. Um, my number five is the 2018 not documentary, but sure as heck feels like it skate kitchen. Okay. Um, I really like, I really love the way that this movie feels like it's a documentary. I mean, all these girls are basically playing themselves in a fictionalized version of their lives. Mm -hmm. And I think it really, um, that authenticity really bleeds through in like every aspect of the movie. It does not feel, 
um, stilted or scripted or awkward the way that it sometimes can when non-actors are asked to act. <laughs> um, and I really loved watching the story of all of these girls getting to know each other um, through the lens of this typically coded masculine physical activity. Um, plus the, the skateboarding in it is just incredible. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a well-made film. Skateboarding is just not necessarily something I'm super interested in, so it didn't grab me in the same way. But it's a, I mean, I think of, we have definitely watched many a much worse movie. For sure. Um, <laughs> yes. Did I tell you, I got unprompted, a friend who I'm pretty sure does not listen to our podcast, texted me a picture of one of the main characters from Skate Kitchen and was like, she looks just like you. Uh, the girl with the long blonde hair. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, and I, I like, I, I agree, but that's so cool that they did, that I they know. got to meet her. Well, they didn't get to meet her. They just like took a photo, like a screenshot. Oh, okay. Yeah. She took a screenshot and she was like, this girl looks just like you. And to be fair, like bone structure, very similar. Like I hadn't thought about it before, but I looked more closely at this picture and I was like, Huh. Especially without my glasses. We do have a very similar bone structure. Marin's a secret skateboarder. Apparently. <laughs> uh, what is your number four pick? Um, my number four pick is Always Be My Maybe. Um which I think gets I mean, there's just so much wonderful stuff going on in there. Um you have the Keanu Reeves. Um, the song about punching Keanu Reeves. <laughs> um, you have a second chance romance, which is my like catnip trope. Um, you have it's so much of a film being centered around food and cooking. You have great performances by Ali Wong and Randall Park. I'm like building up to the most important points. Um, sure. You have, oh my gosh, and now I'm completely blanking on the name of the actor who plays his dad, who's amazing. Well, and her assistant, who is incredible, like, yep. just across the board, I feel like the acting is great. I am sure that I knew that you loved A Second Chance Romance, but hearing you say that out loud does make a lot of your feelings about many of the movies we have watched on this, sh for this show, like, way clearer. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and that's why, like, Persuasion is my favorite. Um, and I think, to be honest, part of why I love A Second Chance Romance is it really imprinted on me. Um, Persuasion, and then also, honestly, one of my favorite romance novels, favorite books, um, is, again, The Magic by Lisa Kleypas, which I think I read in high school, and it, it, it's, it's just, like, one of the best second chance romances ever written. Um, so I think I, like, got a taste for this trope. And it's funny, because Pete always thinks my favorite trope is enemies to lovers. Like, we'll have something with the enemies to lovers trope, and they'll be like, oh, it's your favorite! I'm like, mm, it's fine, like, I enjoy enemies to lovers. Fine, but, like, second chance is really, like, my trope. Mm -hmm. um. I'm a big enemies to lovers person. <laughs> um, yeah, I have always been my maybe at number six. Okay, so, so we're in the same wheelhouse. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, Randall Park is a is fabulous. I loved him. Uh, loved getting to see him on Wandavision. I 
would love a show that was just him and Darcy like solving X-Files type crimes. Oh, absolutely. Um, I loved that you have a lot of uh, you have a lot of people that are clearly beautiful people but are not necessarily like Hollywood determine it beautiful but are in this movie clearly objects of desire and um like romantic uh the 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 objects of the romance and I love that Ali Wong is beautiful and also gets to wear her glasses in every single scene of the movie like there's no she takes her glasses off and is even more beautiful no she looks she's awesome she's hot and she's hot with her glasses on and yeah i just (laughs) as a a person who wears glasses (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah thanks she's all that yeah and like every main character in this movie is asian and it just doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Um, oh, that's such a good one. And yeah, the food is great. Keanu Reeves is great. Oh my god, the food! I'm the food. gonna order Chinese tonight. Do it. <laughs> Do uh, it. Yeah, I had I had this one at number six. Okay. So, so yeah, we were definitely in the same wheelhouse. Martha, what was your number four? My number four is Palm Springs. Yes. Um, I love a Groundhog Day situation. Um, I love Andy Samberg. I thought that this was, I thought this was a great self-aware Groundhog Day situation. Um, that also, like, it it pivots really well between, um, the like comedy and also the very real moments of like hurt and confusion and depression. Um. Always good to see J.K. Simmons being <laughs> in being insane. It is also a perfect summer movie. Like everything about it is just like I want to watch this while I'm sipping some kind of margarita uh, in a Hawaiian printed dress and like <laughs> maybe get to go to the beach afterwards <laughs> or go hang out at the pool. Um, Ah. Well, spoiler alert, I ranked Palm Springs number one. It is our overlap. Uh, oh, I, okay. I love this movie. I think it's just perfect on, like, so many levels. I think it both uses the rom-com tropes and unpacks them and, like, as you mentioned, like, pivots really well between emotionality and comedy. I think Andy Samberg and Kristen Milotti have great chemistry. Um, also, I loved that Kristen Milotti is the one who solves the problem, and she solves it with science. Yes. That, I thought, was... It, it like, perfectly balances how much I needed to know about the, like, sci-fi element without over explaining it to me because I kind of don't really need to know why what is happening to them is happening. I just kind of needed to know enough so that when she finds the solution, it makes sense to me. And I think it's like the perfect amount of like hand waving. So it's not the uncanny valley of like going in too deep and like really trying to explain like the science behind it, but also like they touch on it. You know, it's like just the right level. I mean, I think honestly, like 
it's one of those, it's a great script. It was executed great. Like, it just is one of those where, like, the writing and the acting are working in tandem. Um, And I think, like, weirdly also, I mean, I think it perfectly, I think part of why it, like, spoke to me so hard is it was also perfectly timed in terms of, you know, really speaking about isolation coming out in June 2020 when we were all very isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I don't know, it definitely has been a movie along with, and Pete makes so much fun of me, but, like, I swear I've watched uh, Danny Boyle's movie yesterday, like, four times covid really oh yeah i don't know why i love it so much but yeah like covid and game night and palm springs and or sorry palm springs um yesterday and game night have been like my covid movies that all I, right that i have watched like a bunch of times um yeah because yeah i think like buried within all the like fun rom-com tropes and like physical comedy and um touch of nihilism um a little a little bit just a touch a soup song if you will um i i think there really is a message in there about isolation and like how you feel about connecting to people after being in such long isolation um ah it's just it's a perfect movie i don't know what else to say it's a perfect movie i love it so much all right. Well, would you like to give us your number three pick? Okay. So this is where I think we're going to have the most disagreement. I think I know what you're going to say. Oh, I bet you do. Um, so my number three is going to be plus one. It's, yeah. If I, if I <laughs> was going to guess, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I love it. I think the leads have great chemistry. I think it's a great script. I think it's a great, true... Um, Friends to lovers, especially as right now I'm reading Emily Henry's People on Vacation, which touches actually on a lot of the same themes um, and kind of has a similar like concept of like, these are two friends who do this one thing together all the time. And what I love about Plus One versus People We Meet on Vacation, which don't get me wrong, I'm loving. um, But one thing I love that Plus One really does is there's not... Like, you really see them start as friends. And there's not a, like, you guys are clearly into each other. And why hasn't this happened already? And, like, this just makes no sense. Like, it, it's such a beautiful progression. Um, there's great. Like, I think my Erskine and, what is it? He's a Quaid. Is it Jack Quaid? Jack Quaid, yeah. Jack Quaid. I mean, he was meant to star in a rom-com. Can we say it? Like, son of Meg Ryan and Des Quaid. He was meant to star in a rom-com. Um, I think the dad is great. I love all the stuff with, like, him, like, comparing his developing relationship with her to his relationship with his dad. Like, oh, I think it's just so great. I, I actually rewatched it pretty recently. Um... And it struck me again, where I was just like, there's just so much good stuff here, and it also looks great. Um, I want every single outfit my Erskine wears in it. Um, yeah. Oh, love it. 
love plus one, which I I I respect your your counter to. I think it is a your <laughs> mileage may vary movie, but for me it just works so hard. Here is my rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have plus one at 23 on my list. (laughs) I think that Maya Erskine is doing a much less successful version of Kristen Malati from from Palm Springs. I do not think her chemistry with Jack Quaid is existent or works at all for me. Um, And one of my least favorite, I don't know if it's a trope or just like plot device, in friends to lovers kinds of stories is when one person gets mad at the other person for changing the rules of engagement um, or for wanting to change the rules of engagement. Like I feel like the, the way that Quaid's character handles just the way that, like they're changing feelings for each other just rubbed me very much the wrong way. Um, I didn't love it. Yeah. I think to me, to me, his reaction works because we have all the stuff with the dad. Like, I think to me, because it balances with like, I, I don't, I think it becomes more than just the trope of like the commitment phobic guy, because we really actually see and interrogate why he is commitment phobic and why he has this notion that like I'm not going to commit to anyone until it's the one um but yeah I respect I mean I think I think that there is I I definitely can see how someone could watch it and be like mm, but like they're bros though and then they suddenly start sleeping together okay like I am also just not a person who believes in the concept of the one. Mm. Like, I I think that you you ch- who you are with is a conscious choice that you make. But I think the movie agrees with that. I think the movie very much unpacks the idea that there's a one. I I I think. Th- Especially I don't, the I don't last think 10 that, minutes. It's all I, about, like, oh, no, there's not this notion of the one. We're just really good together, and I love you, and I'm going to commit to you. Yeah, I just don't enjoy when he gets mad at her for not, like, confronting. I don't know. It's this. I think this is a question of their chemistry didn't work for me, so I didn't buy a lot of the... Like, building of that relationship. Yeah, that makes sense. And it is, because it's framed in a wedding, I feel like because it has such, like, that rigid structure, well, it's framed by weddings, like, I, it's easy, like, I think it does kind of go past it because it's, like, going from wedding to wedding. Like, we don't necessarily see a lot of the, like, relationship building scenes um, that we normally would. And the movie would probably be stronger if it had a few of those, for sure. We'll tell you what this movie worked better for me then, hmm. which is a similar concept, the holiday. <laughs> <laughs> which I have at a... Oh, where? Uh, 41. Oh, boy. Yeah, those are probably the two we're going to disagree about the most. <laughs> Not that I would put it in my top five or even my top ten. But I would probably have that one, like, middle of the pack. (laughs) 
Uh, at number three, I have Dumplin', which Aww. was one of the movies, one of the movies that inspired my desire to do this podcast. It's so um, great. Love a body positive story. Love Jennifer Aniston whenever she chooses to uh, to show up. Um, and I loved, I, I I love this book also. I think it's a really lovely story, um, and I thought it translates so well. The actors are all adorable. Um, I'm really hoping they do a sequel because the, the woman who plays Millie, Millie was just incandescent. I loved her so much. Oh, she just shone through like, and the sequel book to Dumplin' is about her. Oh yeah. So I think it would rule if they made, if she got to show up in her own, her own film. Um, but yeah, I just thought it, you know, this one is like, covered in sequins and Dolly Parton and is just like a total joy to watch. Oh yeah. Love a mother daughter story. Uh, love a story again, love a story about women, about girls being friends. Um, and yeah, just the, the, the whole idea of, um, you know, our, our main character being plus sized and like, being intellectually okay with that, but also like the world is not okay with it. So her, you know, building up her self-esteem in the, the body that she has um, is a story that hits very close to home for me. So. Yeah. 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 Oh, such a lovely movie. It's just like a warm hug. It's a warm Truly. hug of a movie. Biscuits and gravy, man. <laughs> What do you have at number two? Oh, number two. I have Netflix's best rom-com, Set It Up. Um, I love it really? so much. Really? I love it so much. There's just so much about it that works for me. It's so great. I do. I love it. I love everything from, like, Lucy Liu's character and their dynamic. I love just, like, the perfect amount of Pete Davidson. I love the concept. I love their banter. I love the pizza scene so much. I I love Set It Up. I've probably watched it like six times. I love it so much. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know that I made that clear when we did our episode of it. Of like, I truly, I, I did not. This is not one that I ever would have guessed would be in your top five, much less in your in your two spot i i had no idea i have this one at 19 okay so So a little more of a difference with that one yeah i i love plus i i love sorry i was looking at my sheet where it said plus one which i love too but um i love set it up i i think it is the best rom-com that netflix has ever done i think um i i recognize that it is not a like, unlike some of these other ones, like, unlike To All the Boys um, or Palm Springs, it's not interrogating the tropes. It's not deconstructing the tropes. It's just doing them really well. Um, I think it knows what movie it is and goes for it. I think Zoe Deutsch is so engaging. Uh, I think, I know, I, I liked her chemistry with the main dude more than you, I know. I just Zoe Deutsch deserves so much better <laughs> than milk toast boring accountant man. <laughs> um, my one complaint with it, I wish we spent less time with Charlie's girlfriend and that whole storyline. 
Um, but I love it. I think it's great. I've, I've watched it half a dozen times. It just always makes me feel better and happy. And, um, I still love her relationship with Lucy Liu. I just, it's so good. So I believe that I said this on either on the episode that we recorded on it or before that the first time I tried to watch this movie, I turned it off. I remember. Yeah. Cause I, I was so glad you saw that. What was it? An Atlantic article ranking Netflix. Yes. Stuff? I was, yes. I almost sent it to you. Like, I don't know if I told you at the time, but I like was so close to being like, you know, this is the highest rated rom-com on Netflix, on this, on the, on this thing. Right. To try and talk you into watching it. And then you you brought it up. And I was like, yes! I didn't even have to do that. Every character, especially in those first 20 minutes. And I will say that some of this gets alleviated the more into the movie you get. But in those first 20 minutes, every single character in this movie is intolerable. <laughs> every single one. And I was just like, I can't. The first time I tried to watch this movie, I was like, I, I can't watch 90 minutes with these people. <laughs> um, I, I warmed up to it enough. I, I was not upset that I watched it. And clearly there are other things we've watched that I disliked more, but yeah, I just really could never get over the fact that all of the women in this movie are so much better than every single one of the men. Um, yeah, it just, Zoe, Zoe, you can do better. My love. <laughs> I think they definitely could have cast a more charismatic dude for sure. But I think like the script is just so good and the like the concept is just so good. And I think it was smart enough to like really have Zoe Deutsch as the lead. Like, yeah, the dude's there, but like this is really a movie about Zoe Deutsch. Oh, um, absolutely. So I don't know. I just I love it. I think it's so great. Uh, my number two yeah. is the half of it. Oh, another another plot that I love. I love a um, Cyrano de Bergerac story, mm. and I loved the queerness of this movie. Um, I loved that the friendship between um, uh, I can't remember their character names. Uh, the friendship between Ellie and Paul, the way that that develops, um, I truly loved. I liked the way that the movie handled Paul misreading the situation and the way that they have to, like, come back together. Yeah, that was um, super refreshing. Yeah. And I I thought that Alexis Lemire, who plays the... Um, the romantic focus for both Ellie and Paul, I thought that she did a really good job with a pretty thin role. Mm. Um, Cause the, the movie I don't think gives her very much material to work with. Like she's the kind of, you know, just to the left of manic pixie dream girl for both Ellie and Paul. And I thought that she infused that role with a lot of heart um, that made it really engaging. Like I think her character could have been really, intolerable mm -hmm. or just like why is everybody in love with this woman and I, I thought she did a really good job of translating the charisma that her character was like clearly supposed to have in fiction uh, through the screen also Ellie's dad oh, loved yeah. Ellie's dad so much 
But yeah, that's my that's my two spot. Yeah, I so and obviously I have not done a full ranking. Um, but I mean, I I certainly really enjoyed the half of it. I'm also it's one of those I'm just glad that movie exists. You know what I mean? Um. Yeah, I think I. I think I just have a natural, like, I gravitate towards the adult movies more. <laughs> sure. Um, so the stuff, the very good movies we watch about teens, I'm like, oh, that was good. But it doesn't, like, stick with me the same way. That, and that's totally fair. Yeah. So we already know what your number one is. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we want to say about Palm Springs, or do we feel like we've covered it? Can we just give a shout out to the scene where Andy Samberg like perfectly times his dance across the floor of the wedding to Kristen Milati? I'm just like visualizing that right now. I love the scene in every Groundhog Day scenario movie where the person who has been trapped in the scenario has their string of like perfectly executed moves like they, they had a really good one in the map of tiny. Perfect I was just thinking about that. Yeah. Going through the restaurant. That was so good. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I love that. Like I've been through this so many times. I know exactly what is going to happen. And now we're going to execute a like perfectly choreographed sequence responding to all of that. It's so good. It's so good. And like, just like, I don't know. I mean, I think also just like Andy Samberg has such a presence. Um, but oh, it's just so good. I love it so much. <laughs> Easily my favorite movie of 2020. All right. Definitely in my top 10. My good. Yeah, what was one, your so, number one? My number one is Booksmart. Oh, which okay. I debated for this particular portion of our episode because... That one is a little bit of a cheat. It did not debut on a streaming service. It was a theatrical release that came to streaming services, but it's so good. And I feel like people were talking about it a lot when it first came out, but not so much anymore. And I really can't, like, it, it's really hard for me to kind of quantify what this movie meant to me. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, Please continue to make more, like, stupid frat boy, like, drunken stoner comedies featuring women. Like, please more of that always. Uh, Barb and Star, you should go watch that movie right now. Anna. Anna. (laughs) Um, But, like, this concept of having two overachievers, like, kind of realizing what they have missed because they were striving for... Um, this idea of academic perfection that at the end of the day didn't almost didn't mean anything um, is very resonant with me and my own like my own kind of reminiscing of my high school career. Um, I was not as I was not as dedicated as either of our leads in Booksmart, um, but I definitely like feel. <laughs> I feel a resonance there. Mm. Um, And like the pitch perfect amount of Billy Lord and how the, just the ridiculousness that she brings to everything is like 
almost too over the top, but I feel like it gets pulled back just in time to ever really feel like too much. And instead is just like the perfect amount of humor. Um, it's a great queer story again. So good. Caitlin Deaver is great. Uh, Beanie Feldstein. I love her so much. Um, yeah, I just, I, I found this one to be very pretty deeply resonant and also hysterically funny and just not the kind of movie that gets made very often, but when it does, it's so rewarding. Yeah, I I will admit I am someone who who has a pretty low tolerance for cringe humor. Um, so for me, I was just stressed out a lot of this movie. Um, I was just stressed for them. <laughs> oh. Um. And, and I, I think that, again, it's one of those movies that I, I recognize as a well-made movie that's just not for me. Um, I certainly... I'm oh, sorry? I'd say I would certainly never argue that it's, like, a bad movie. I just... In the same way that, like, I like Bridesmaids. I've, I've watched it a few times. Um, but I don't, like, love it. Because every time I watch it, I'm just so stressed. Um... Um, first of all, I think Booksmart is better than Bridesmaids. <laughs> okay. Um, I also, this one is definitely for me, it does not stress me out the same way that a lot of awkward or cringe humor stuff does. Because normally I very much agree with you. I am not a person who enjoys humor that is based around making people feel bad. Is that I don't think that's the kind of humor that this movie is going for. Like, I, I think that the humor in this movie is more like... Like, it's, it's, it's trying to show Beanie and Caitlin, like, not so much this is where you messed up, but, like, look how, like, there's a whole world out here that you missed out on, but you can still, like, it's not gone forever. It, it never feels like it is making fun of them for the choices that they made. It's just kind of trying to show them that life can be, that there is more than what they've experienced. It is also very much the definition of the worst thing that can happen is not life ending. Um, like, yeah, I don't know that it like wants to humiliate its lead characters, but it also still puts them in a lot of situations that um, are uncomfortable. Um I, I do think a lot of the humor, it's not mean-spirited, but it is about their discomfort. Um, and, and unlike, uh, um, oh my gosh, I just had it on the tip of my tongue. Not Bridesmaids. Um, it's not like gross-out humor, you know? Oh, uh, Neighbors 2. That was the other one I was thinking about. Like, Neighbors 2, which actually I kind of love, um... Weirdly, I have no reason why I like this movie. But um, Neighbors 2 has a lot of gross-out humor, and it's a lot of Chloe Grace Moritz just allowed to be gross. Because um, it's, it, it, Chloe Grace Moritz is like the head of a sorority um, next to this couple with a baby. Um, but I think, I don't know, I just I just felt so tense watching it that I, I actually don't honestly think I laughed very much during it. I, well, I, and 
I guess my feeling about it is less that the movie is trying to make Beanie and Caitlin uncomfortable and more showing them that the things that they, the things that cause them discomfort don't have to like these hugely, like these, these situations that are potentially very embarrassing, they can choose to say, I, I don't care. This doesn't mm-hmm. affect me. Um, I don't know. It feels, it feels more like the movie is trying to show them that they don't have to feel shame over things that they have been feeling embarrassed or ashamed about. Um, I don't know. I, like I said, I'm normally very sensitive to cringe humor and this one just didn't ping it for me. Huh. Maybe we had like the opposite reaction where I had that reaction to Neighbors 2 where I was like, why do I like this movie? <laughs> like, Well, I've was... never seen, I've never seen either of the Neighbors movies, oh, so I do can't it. weigh in. There's, Neighbors 1 is so good. It's like one of those like 21 Jump Street where you're like, is this actually good? This kind of got lost in like the schlocky early teens comedy film. No, it's actually really good. <laughs> Did not love 21 Jump Street. What? Did not love it. What? Did not see the sequel. What? Okay, maybe you won't actually like it. I'm taking that back. But I I I love all four of those movies so much. There was there was nothing about 21 Jump Street that I found to be funny. What? It's so good. I'm sorry. I I Pretty recently, someone I think on the AV Club had an article about 22 Jump Street, and they were like, underappreciated sequel, and so I just rewatched them. And I definitely rewatched both Neighbors and Neighbors 2 in in COVID, so within like the last year or so. And it was one of those, I was like, I I went into them very skeptically, being like, these are not going to be as fun as I remember. And I was like, no, these are great. (laughs) But it is a very specific brand of humor. So I, I fully get it. So like those are all four of them are uh, your mileage may vary movies. Um, uh, yeah. So just for fun um, and off the top of your head, because I know that you don't keep as you know, I know that you don't keep a list the not. way that I do. I am. the um, I am. Can you all tell listeners that on the D&D <laughs> scale, I am the chaotic <laughs> one in this in this podcast uh if you had to pick a least favorite movie oh after oh my god that movie's a stinking hot pile of garbage i will tell you so after i have after and cinderella pop at the bottom of my list yeah it kind of depending on how i feel it's one of those two but yeah after cinderella pop i think at least is trying to have a little bit of fun and after takes itself so seriously. Oh, it's just and a it's just misery. Such, such a drag. It's just a misery of a film. Um. Uh, so yeah, awful is bad. I'm glad we agree. I love. I love that we are in almost complete agreement <laughs> about that. Oh yeah, for sure. We may. And and to be fair, I think like, I all all of your top five, I I really did enjoy. And I think of my top five, three out of them you also enjoyed. So like. Yes. We had some we had some good overlap. No, that's fair. And I and I think as I said, like, this is one that truly shows my bias of just I like adult rom coms. Apparently, looking at this list, I'm like, apparently I really like high concept rom coms. Apparently that's one of my things. That's fair. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I honestly, like, I, I know we had different takeaways from Plus One and set it up. And I guess a little book smart, although I was probably a little too hard at it we were talking about earlier. I didn't, like, dislike it. I just didn't love it sure. um, the way that I think a lot of folks have. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think those are all just genuine, just like your mileage may vary. These are, you know, this worked um, for me, but I could see how it didn't or vice for you and vice versa. I feel like you are being way more forgiving to my picks than I am to yours. Oh, that's um, okay. But yes, this is the culmination of 49 viewing experiences. Uh, thank you all again so much for coming on this journey with us. Uh, if you would like to enjoy more of our good, good podcast content, you can uh, follow our social media feeds, which we share with our sister show, Did You Do Your Homework, that updates on this very same feed on alternating Wednesdays from this one, uh, where I, which I host with Marin's husband, Pete. Uh, we have just finished up a month of talking about different kinds of westerns and are about to embark on an Arthurian theme. Ooh, did you make, th- did you put Galvant? Please tell me you put Galvant. I did not. No. But this is why. No, no, okay. Marin, this is why. Because Fair we enough. are doing, we are doing straight Arthurian takes. Okay. If we were doing Arthurian inspired stuff. You're dang right I would have put Galen on top of this. <laughs> he just, I overheard, like, I was like, oh, are we going to get to watch Galen? Are we going to get to watch Galen? Um, I highly recommend it because it's incredible and your husband is deeply, deeply incorrect about it. Oh, he, uh, I, it was one of those I frequently watched while doing the dishes. Um, and he would just, like, wander in and out and be like, what is this? It's incredible. It's um, so good. Everyone go watch Galen. Uh, yeah, but we are doing um, less Arthurian-inspired and more just, like, straight Arthurian uh, stories. Um, all leading up to A24's release of The Green Knight at the end of July. Woo! Which I'm very excited about. Oh, it's going to be so uh, great. Marin, if people wanted to follow you on social media, where could they find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at A underscore star underscore danced. Um, we're pretty much right now I am just tweeting about romance novels. So if you are into romance novels at all, feel free to give me a follow. Um, I'm currently on Newton Watch 2021, uh, which is the adorable Corgi who will be featured in season two of Bridgerton. Martha, where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me on all the places at Magical Martha, uh, including Letterboxd, where I um, rank all of the movies that we watch for this show, uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and just, I'm going to sidebar real quick into romance novels, because I just finished One to Watch by... Wait. Who's the author for that? This is good podcast content. <laughs> Wait, I can like I, this is oh uh, yes by Kate Stamen London. Yes, I uh, did not read it, but I saw it and it looks great. It's adorable. I read it in a whole. I read it in one day, almost in one sitting. Excellent. Um, it is about a plus-sized woman who is a fashion blogger, who is a big fan of their off-brand version of The Bachelor, and after she writes a blog post that goes viral, uh, eviscerating them for their lack of body diversity, they cast her as their bachelorette for the next season. Uh, I loved it very, very much. Oh, good. 
Yeah, I've heard only great things. It is definitely on my list. Uh, for our next episode, we are back to business as usual. We are going to be talking about um, Chemical Hearts. I think it's yeah, called. Yeah, I was going to pull up. Is it My Chemical Heart? Or I know, right? Hearts? That was my exact thought. I was like, wait, is this like My Chemical Romance? Again, very good. Yes, so <laughs> Chemical Hearts, the 2020, I believe, Amazon Prime original uh, starring Lily Reinhardt and Austin Abrams. Um, so, yeah, catch us talking about that in two weeks. Uh, and until then, thank you so much for listening. And just remember that we love you. episodes that was fun yeah it was nice just to be like here are ones we liked Uh uh-huh